How you doing, Ryan? Okay. Are you sure? I've been better. You need a virtual hug? I'm okay. All right. I'm hugging my computer right now. Welcome to another episode of Talking About Alliance, uh, the merge episode. I'm Ari, joined as always by Hirsch. We're on episode six, I think. Yes, sir. How you doing? Doing well. And we have another special guest on today. Uh, the salt queen of Alliance, Paste, is with us today. Hello, Paste. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me, Ari and Hirsch. We have a lot to recap. Uh, so let's uh, get to it. The last time we talked, we were previewing two tribal councils, um, one of which would be spectated. Um, so that first one was the Nero tribe. They went in, or the um, Fosha tribe was first, and they went in pretty clearly targeting Greg. Um, the twist was that the Nero tribe was able to spectate their tribal council, which can be an advantage both ways headed into a merge, but I'm not sure there was a ton to take away from what was said at this tribal. Well, they didn't say a whole lot and wisely. They didn't uh, show their hand too much, um, which is good. I mean, that's, that's, if you know someone's gonna be watching, you don't wanna give away any kind of critical uh, information that could be used against you, especially when you know that the merge is coming up. Yeah, and they were going all in unanimously together with the exception of the one person who was blindsided so it kind of makes it more uneventful even if someone isn't watching and it was a it was a good choice greg Greg had formed a, a day one alliance of four and had then basically disappeared from the game don't think he had participated in any uh any challenge since the um i don't even know if he participated in the boats but he sat out everything and i think somebody finally noticed that and that was kind of what that was the, the last shove they needed. Um, you know, we'll, we'll always miss Greg's tent and his <laughs> massages, but uh, other than that, uh, not a lot of effect on the game. No, perhaps it, it seemed like the closest person to him was Barker, and Barker has a lot of other allies elsewhere, so he wasn't even necessary for him there. Yep. The one thing that I saw um, from the tribal council itself um, was Glorf, and I can't find the specific messages, but kind of giving a somewhat conflicting thing, like, we're a strong seven, or we're going to stick together, but also saying, like, we might have to vote out the weak, um, and kind of giving opening to things going wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the other tribe definitely picked up on that. Glorf. Glorf doing, Glorf is Glorf gonna Glorf, and um, <laughs> and you you can't you, you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him, and because uh, he sure as hell isn't gonna contain himself. And uh, at some point, probably sooner rather than later, that's gonna that's gonna end his game. Yeah, I think the weird thing with his mentality, both for us as viewers and as the other players, is he's kind. He was kind of going into the merge with all this talk about unity and winning together when everyone else was kind of ready to start breaking up into focusing on their individual game and who they're 
close partners they're looking to take. Yeah, and there's still talk, I think. He's saying to people like, well, we should vote based on challenge performance and keep the strongest people. And that's not quite how the game's supposed to work at this point. Right. You I mean, would want to vote is, on challenge. But that's not generally how things play out if you're trying to win. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you, could, you would definitely want to vote a bit on challenge performance, but not in the way that he was alluding to. He's, he's trying to play quote unquote honorable game and, and you know, and uh, maybe that works in the first six episodes of the very first season of Survivor ever. Mm -hmm. But uh, beyond that, uh, honor went out in uh, Survivor a long time ago. Um, so in the end, it's a pretty simple 7-1 vote against Greg. Greg throws his one vote on Harpy. Um, who I think a few people told him would be a target. Um, I don't think he was terribly surprised. And I think so. the Nero tribe was able to spectate and talk about this and not go to tribal for another day, but I don't think they got much out of it seeing what they had at camp. Um, so they go to their own tribal the next day. And there's a lot of ways this could have gone, maybe instead of the way it ultimately did. Uh, this was a tough one because we as the viewers knew what was going to happen. And then we got to see the player who got sent home slowly realize over the course of that morning what was going to happen. And um, it was sad because, uh, because uh, you know, we'd seen this player grow. We had seen this player tough it out in challenges. Um, and she was being cast to the side for, for somebody who, and I mean this strictly from a, game perspective because i know nothing of her um personally uh had really done nothing for the tribe other than solve one math equation um so that was tough to watch right and it's also just a comparison of just socially a lot more of them had a closer connection with trophy than they did with link and from the viewer side it looked like things could have switched there were plays for um, like Shitter's pull to be able to switch the votes so that it was going to be targeting Link instead of Trophy. But I think they just kind of took that path of least resistance there. I think when letting it happen. Oh, yeah. When, um, when Cheese folded, yeah. That, that gave everybody just free reign to vote for Trophy because mm -hmm. he had, quote unquote, her closest ally. And when he was ready to give her up, um, that's all they needed. Um, if, if Cheese had stood firm, Shitters and Ace would have taken Link out without a second thought, probably. Yeah. Yes, the way I think this played out, um, so Ace, as he likes to do, kind of went to everyone right after the challenge. Um, and I think the bun got back to him saying, let's keep Link Link after, so she had solved the problem. Um, and we trophy hadn't contributed as much in challenges necessarily. Um, and that was kind of enough for him to bring to everyone else. Link Link obviously was on board. That's three out of the six. And at that point, no one really was standing in the way of that. Um, mm -hmm. Because I, you could have easily had Jesus and Shitters saying, wait, why are we doing this? You have mm -hmm. trophy obviously as the target. That's three out of the six. 
and I think the others would have folded if they oh, said, okay. let's just get rid of link link. Um, but I, I mean, this note <coughs> makes sense from a perspective of taking out someone who's a big threat heading into a merge. Um, right. If you want to keep the predictable, trustworthy allies, I think that's where this is going to run into problems. Um, although so far, it looks like they're strong enough, this group of five. Link, the thing, I think the thing they, they kept forgetting about Trophy is that she would have been loyal to that group mm -hmm. the entire time, whereas Link, um, just on the surface, just from the way she acted at that one tribal, just from calling him out, she is, she is the ideal floater. Link is... Link will probably be responsible for more blind sides in this game than anybody else because she is going to be a swing vote. When people right. want to swing this vote, they are going to go to her. She will be the she will be the swing vote floater that everybody wants to wants to, to have around probably. Right. They were kind of fielding around of trying to figure out who on the Fosha tribe, they would be able to pull in so that they could become a majority, um, recognizing which within their narrow group they already had that full trust with, which it seems obvious to us that that would have been trophy over, over link, because you would want to make sure that that's your certain when you're going in on a minority tribe. Um, and it just kind of seemed like they took a higher risk of someone who might not be as certain in that, which would force them to have to pull in more people or to um, just accept that they're down even one more than they had before. Oh, yeah. Right now, they're talking about whether or not they can really truly trust her to vote with them. Right. Uh, you know, heading into what we know is coming up uh, at this next tribal, which we'll get mm -hmm. to. But um, so now that, that trust is already in doubt. And with Trophy, it would not have been. Something I've noticed, um, this has happened a few times now and is going to come up again later this episode and probably more times over the course of the season, Ace, heading into a vote, will go to who he perceives as the swing vote, ask them who they want to target on the other side, and then basically tell everyone that that's the target. I think that's what happened here, and I think that's happening again with this, with the upcoming merge vote. Um, and that's kind of a strategy that sometimes works. And sometimes if you've watched Cognion can backfire pretty hard. Time, time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah, so that was it for this vote. Trophy pretty much told everyone, I see my fate. Um, and a very welcome presence in the lounge. She was voted out five to one. She threw her vote on Link Link. Um, she hadn't told anyone, I think, that she was going to do that. Um, and that, I think, isn't much of a surprise, given their interactions not always the most pleasant. Yeah. Um, God. I wish I could totally, I don't, I wouldn't say she laid down and played dead, but I just, I wish that she had tried to put up more of a fight, try to talk some sense into those guys, because I, I don't know that she could have had any success. Um, and I, I don't blame her. I mean, it's tough being in that position, right. knowing that votes are coming at you. Um, it really, really is. And that you're probably going home, but um, yeah, it's uh, but she went out with class and she was respectful 
and you know and um, and and i think that's a, a lot of why the, the lounge was uh so sad to see her go because she was so good so cool and had a lot of game left in her and it was just sad to see it end it's one of those in hindsight uh she could have done kind of similarly to what luke did not in the same methodology but really casting that doubt uh into the player's mind even knowing she's going out she could have put in a bit more lasting impact of why are you guys taking link why why should you be so confident in this maybe you should be questioning yourself as you go and emerge with her and that that's something she could have done that i think i would have liked uh especially since now that we kind of see after the game that um she was confused by that she didn't understand why they were choosing Link over her. And, you know, her voting for Link, even though that those two sort of initiated from Link's end, had this somewhat rivalry develop towards the end there. Um, it's something that could have been developed more so that it had lasting impact on the game, just like uh, Luke did with the whole trophy and Cheese's relationship. Yeah. Maybe not as dramatic a fashion, but she no. definitely could have, Yeah, she could have done it. So we head from this vote um, the very next day into the merge. Um, Plexi gave, I think, one sentence saying, welcome to your immunity challenge. Just kidding, it's the merge. Um, and I guess we can spend one minute on this, the most important part of any merge, picking the new tribe name. Uh, <laughs> it can always be fun in Alliance and on Survivor. This tribe went with the Greendale tribe. Um, <laughs> Pretty interesting decision out of a few options that they had, including the Inertia tribe, which would have been funny. I was very, very disappointed with uh, with our selection of uh, of a merge name. But at some point, after you've been in that room probably for two hours, you just say, "This is this is get this shit open. Get this is get this get this over with." Because you know we've got DMs to open and game to talk. <laughs> That's the mentality that brought us bioplasm. Exactly. <laughs> <Someone> <laughs> I remember being stuck in that merge piece and I'm like, all right, when can I just pick a name and I don't care what it is and move on. So they go with Greendale and um, as happens at the merge, the DMs start to explode and the lines start to get drawn. And I think the biggest thing that comes out right away is how many people are skeptical of Glorfindel. He he did a he did a damn good job of sinking his game um, through any chance that they had for interaction through a couple swaps, just the way he talked to people, uh, his little asides at events where they happened to be uh, in the same uh, in the same channel. Um, everybody had an opinion um, going into this merge, and that is. Uh, that is not necessarily a position you want to be in. You do not want to be the most well-known player in the game going into the merge because that has got a target on you, and uh, and we're clearly we're seeing that play out. Yeah, he was actually so much so that he was a bit of the icebreaker between the two tribes merging back together. That's what most people in their initial DMs kind of started talking about right away. There may have been a little bit like, oh, hey, I missed you. By the way, what's up with Glorf? <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, you know, he, 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 <laughs> a polar, <laughs> yeah, polarizing man, our, our our friendly elf. I was just looking through the uh, DM channels, 
because um, you're talking about how the DMs blew up. And as a viewer, that those uh, immediate merge, swap, anytime stuff gets shuffled and there's a new opportunity for people to talk to people they haven't had a chance to talk to before, anytime that happens, you start seeing those DMs blow up, sometimes more, more than others. Um, but if I'm looking through this correctly, I believe at the moment there are 64 out of 66 possible DM channels that have been created and have at least one message in them right now. Um, oh, so wow. that, that's pretty impressive for a, uh, for a merge. Do you, do you have uh, on the top of your head what the two missing are? No, I'm, uh, I'm looking through them right now. I can't pick them out out of the, uh, not off the top of my head. I'm, I'm, I'm sure if I, if I spent a few minutes, I could figure that out, but right. uh, yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of DMs going on right now. Um, so what appears to be the people that are remaining close to Glorf for now, and that might only be because nobody has told them that everyone else is against him. Um, mm -hmm. It looks like you have Glorfindel, Harpy, BBGG, and Sir R Table uh, potentially on the wrong side of things. Um, and then you had a what looks like potentially a tight four um, forming across the old tribes between Ace, uh, Shinners, and then pulling in Crab and Barker, who had gotten close over on Fosha tribe. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. Those are the strongest kind of uh, split that we're seeing. And then with those uh, uncertainty in the middle, like Bun. Um, though it seems like Bun is probably gonna stay with shitters on the side of things but he's definitely the most uh up for grabs along with link to uh to kind of uh kind of jumping back to paste's uh, question about the dms mm -hmm. um just going through here uh i can tell you just by eyeballing it that bun is missing three potential dm channels that he could have so that goes a long way towards uh, explaining why nobody really seems to know where Bun is sitting on this is because he's not making a, a huge effort to uh, reach across the aisle and, uh, and, and, and make contact with these people that he hadn't had any kind of contact with before. Right. And I suppose yeah. maybe the same thing could be said of uh, Reneki on the other side. He's probably the, the Bun equivalent for Fosha. Reneki is missing one potential DM channel that he could have, or maybe two. Uh, hold on. No, he doesn't. Hold on. It's, uh, yeah, no, he, uh, Reneke is missing the one with Bun. <laughs> Absolutely. And he doesn't have one with, uh, with Table, I don't believe. Okay. Yeah, we were also looking, um, I think a day or two ago, Harpy, I think before the merge was missing a couple big ones mm -hmm. with people. Like, I think the one with Sir R Table didn't start until after the merge. And they had been and on track even, together. Even still only has like three messages in it. Yeah. So yeah, the, uh, it's the, the, the DM count is uh, 62 out of 66 with uh, Bun missing three and Nick missing one. And that's not really surprising, honestly, no. with those two players. So the interesting thing with um, Harpy 
uh, since I already mentioned it, and Harpy not having that DM with table until recently is when we had listed out the people who are still gravitating towards Glorf. That includes those two, which I think just kind of shows that as a group, that's not even particularly tightly formed. Not like on the opposite side where you have um, Ace uh, aligning up with with Crab and, and Shitters together with Barker. That seems like a much stronger um, four-way as far as the communication avenues go. Yeah. But uh, I always, uh, my instinct as a viewer when I'm watching this game is if I see that there's something I haven't read, I, I want to read it. <laughs> but when, when, these, when, when this stuff blows up, <coughs> especially in the immediate couple hours after a, after a merge or something like that, I mean, I don't blame anybody for not wanting to go catch up with 2,000 unread messages because it's <laughs> a, a lot of it is just uh, very surface level, get to know mm -hmm. you, say hi, uh, no real uh, strategy being spoken, you know, and they're just, uh, oh, well, tell me what happened here, tell me what happened there. I mean, this is all, uh, that's part of the game, and, it, and it's what you expect, but um, God, for viewers, <laughs> it's a lot to that's take what in. we're here for. Absolutely. So let me tell you, viewers, in those first two hours after merge in the DMs, you didn't miss much. It's just small talk. Yeah, it, that, that's true. And I even think leading up to the biggest, uh, the biggest split that we'll see always comes after that initial merge vote. That's when people kind of decide where they're, where they're going to show their hand of where they're aligning with. Exactly. Um, so another important thing that kind of happened in the, um, the aftermath of the merge is that first night, um, so the, in terms of command hunting, um, the Fosha tribe had made some progress between a few of them in tracking down the fairy cascade, um, which was just the second cascade triggered. And that kind of spread parts of it pretty far. I'm not sure exactly who has it, um, but people were, so on the first night of the merge, people trying to search uh, and finding things and getting kind of late into the night in terms of the U.S. time and finding things in the glade, searching the soul, searching new places and or new things in other places. Um, but that also happens to be the middle of the day for BBGG. And he just kind of hangs out and um, just kind of takes up the channels, which when you're trying to search, and that's always part of the game is where do you search, who's watching you, um, and there was some sort of, there was a bit of frustration that BBGG was in the same place as other people were trying to search and wasn't being cooperative, I think well, is part of it. That um, was more in the- It uh, gets frustrating when it's two in the morning and you're searching commands. I mean, I don't know what people were expecting. I mean, it, it's his prime time. Um, he's thriving in a way that uh, someone like Jazz last year could have in those late in those late hours, where he's taking advantage of the time he's awake, um, that doesn't coincide with everybody else, and he's utilizing it to his uh, his best ability. Um, he and you know, kind of like, you know, Cat did most of her damage last season in the wee hours. That's just, and she's in North American, you know, she's in, on Eastern time, but that's just when she's awake. You know, you you, you utilize your time when you can, um, and. Uh, you know, and the, and the people who are complaining the loudest know he's Australian and know exactly why he's 
working it at that period of time because he's awake. Um, he was doing that in the uh, he was doing that with the ferry, and he was doing that with the um, with the, in the soul channel as well. But uh, you'll, you'll probably get to that here in a second. Right, and what, what I think you got with that is the same thing that happens um, with everyone sort of initially post-merge. It's suddenly a much more crowded space and everyone is riddled with their paranoia regarding trust and trusting people. Even if it was people that they communicated with before, there's been a big gap of time since they last worked with them or talked to them and jumping right into um, trying to carry on this command hunting is gonna just exacerbate those uh, self-induced paranoia for a lot of them. Uh, you know, in the case of BBG being around when they're trying to stealthily hunt, which we know isn't going to be able to happen. There's four channels and this many people. You're not going to be able to just do everything in secret. And they started to kind of take every little detail as a reason for why these people can't be trusted, whether they're going invisible mode or if they're um, hunting certain commands or if they're hopping to certain channels, which in a lot of cases could be just total innocent command hunting that's just from their perspective looks sketchy as they like to say. Sus, I believe is the popular word for the kids <laughs> these days. And I'm not gonna Part speak like the, the kids. So there's some frustration in that Ace and BBGG were tight before the swap and now they, they're on different sides. And I think Ace is sort of taking out some of that frustration that the person who he wanted to work with is on the other side. Um, and then you have Glor. So at one point, Glorf and BBGG both go into the glade um, and they started tracking down the fairy cascade while Crab was there and not even on invisible mode, just sitting quietly watching. And BBGG notices and I think sends a DM saying, hey, you know, Dr. Crab is here. And I don't think Glorf saw that. And then he complains about people lurking while he himself is on invisible mode. More Glorf. Glorf, Glorf, Glorf. All I can say is Glorf gonna Glorf. I, yeah. That is literally all I can say. Um, I, I, think one of the, I think one of the problems, yeah, it's just Glorf gonna Glorf. <laughs> yeah it's one of those unfortunate things too that it's anyone who's really kind of showing that they're um associated with glorf even if it's only superficial and they're just kind of keeping nice on the surface and they might have distrust of them to the appearance of everyone else it looks like they're pairing up with him and that's just going to lower their stock to the other players yeah something that comes up every season is that you know when do you search sub channels you know, do you, are you, if there's someone else there that you're kind of unsure about, do you keep doing your searching or do you wait until they leave? I think you got to go for it and let the race happen. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the, one of the issues with this cast this season is that there had been very little success in finding anything that would even generate a, uh, what we know as viewers and people who've played the game as a cascade and, you know, and, and, and so they're not sure what they're looking for. A lot of them, they don't know what format it takes. Um, and to be fair, even the format is a little different than what uh, we saw when we played. Um, we kind of have an idea, you know, when we see something going, Oh, Hey, hold on. That, that might be something. Um, mm -hmm. So they're making up for lost time. Whereas, you know, like some people before the merge had access to the, uh, you know, a dune square or something like that. 
and uh, <laughs> I never did anything with it. But people, you know, people knew about it at least and picked up, you know, that thread and were able to kind of follow it through into the merge and past, you know, and, and that kind of uh, idol hunting and they knew what they were doing. And, and right now, a lot of this cast has had very little success because they haven't seen what a successful cascade looks like or even uh, if they've stumbled upon one. Well, I think what, um, I mean, they've seen successful cascades just in different examples, not for an immunity necessarily or a, a, a idol, um, but they've done successful c cascades and maybe it didn't translate in their brain that it's kind of the same thing. Uh, but what, one thing that we saw like these last two seasons was after merge, when there's a full crowded space, you had these idle races happening fairly quickly within the first couple days, if not the first day, I don't remember exactly when for both. And I think that's what you need to accept is going to happen because there's just too many people across too many time zones who are looking for at these same things. So a race is almost inevitable. Uh, last season, we saw the largest one. Uh, that was a lot of people at once. Chattern, it was only a couple people. And then these times that uh, you, when we were talking this, about this like- Discordia also had a pretty yeah. big race. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. And these times that it kind of happens in a little slower pace where someone's able to hide was when the field got pared down a bit more, when there were yep. uh, less people and the, the momentum may have dropped out a little bit too. And it's fun. You know, as as viewers, you you want to see it. I want to I want to I want to see these people stumbling all over each other, um, because uh, you because the information spreads. Um, some people don't even um, initiate the cascade. Some people have no idea even where the cascade initiated and just are sitting there watching as everybody else tries these successful commands and then they they just scoop up these little bits of uh, of information and then the next thing you know ari's at the vault going in and getting himself <laughs> an idol i mean this is this is how it happens you know although to be fair there was the um the patelia uh bot come into play and we saw oh, yeah. most cast members did get involved in that so i suppose that's sort of their version of of the race this season would have been that Absolutely. it was uh, a little quieter in the, the sense of the scramble because it happened a little differently with being at a set set time of everyone sending the command at once. But I, I guess that's what the equivalent would be now that I'm thinking about it. Ari, did you want to let the viewers know a little bit more about that? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so we're going to have, um, after this segment, we're going to have Plexi join us and explain a little bit more. But uh, and the other thing I wanted to mention is another twist at this stage of the game is as all these idle um, chases are happening you have you're also trying to figure out you know the relationships and connecting with people who you can trust and share information with and who you don't want to share information with um but yes yeah, so right at the merge you have the new soul open up um and i'm gonna botch all these pronunciations i'm sure but the hamadriad as the daughters of the soul of the forest um i'm not sure exactly what triggered that but that sort of leads to the next big idol chase with the glade seemingly being forgotten for now, at least as of yesterday yeah. morning, without any more progress being made. And um, and as with Ozymandias last year, the um, the seeds of this uh, particular uh, immunity hunt had been had been planted um, with uh, prompt responses that had been people had been hitting in the uh, in the glades or you know or uh, 
over the past, you know, 14 days, 15 days, the, the daughters of the forest had been referenced in other clues before, I believe. And so it's just one of those little bits of information, you know, that you, not every prompt response you get is going to be important later in the game, but there are some that clearly are. And if you happen to remember that, you know, and you, you kind of, you kind of, uh, test it out, you're going to, you, you, occasionally you're going to get a, a positive response. And I think that's what, uh, that's what happened here with, uh, with uh, Glorf and Ace both being on top of that uh, a little bit faster than anybody else. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what triggered it, um, but eventually it was the eight daughters of the trees, um, the nymphs in Greek mythology, and uh, the eight of them, and I think just one of them triggered the response saying, here's the idle clue, but yet to the catches, you have to announce it in camp. And then this went all kinds of sideways, as we'll get to in a couple minutes. You know what? It was, <laughs> it was, it was fun to watch. But yes, uh, the, uh, the, the more interesting thing to me was how the information was, um, was shared. Because Ace went and told a lot of the people with whom he was allying. He, he, he shared that information. He didn't tell everybody, but I think he made sure that his most uh, important uh, peeps knew, okay, you got to try this. You're going to get a DM response, and there's an idle race tomorrow at X time. Glorf found it as well. As far as I could tell, Glorf did not tell anybody directly what he had found. He, barely, he didn't even allude to it in his confessionals or in any DM. Glorf kept that information to himself and did not share it with, uh, with anybody. All right, so we are joined by our very own host, Ryan Plexty, here with us. Um, talking about Alliance, who I think wanted to go over a bit um, for the idol hunt and some of the craziness that went down. Um, so let's start at the beginning. So what was the cascade and how did that get triggered? So, uh, yeah, the original command was Patelia, which is a dryad, one of the hamadryads of Greek mythology. The only way that we put in the server to uh, con con uh, absolutely confirm that you were on the right path was a bot on the user list that was only visible in the soul subchannel. Uh, that was named Patalia. But a couple of the commands uh, alluded to eight sisters or eight daughters of the forest, and eventually people were able to kind of suss out the group of eight hamadryads, which one of them is Patalia. So use Patalia command uh, to all viewers and other players who are in the soul with you. It didn't do anything special, but uh, Morgan would respond in your confessional channel and give you this special little uh, response that said uh, essentially that you would have to go into your camp channel between four and five and send this exact sentence, which was adding your entire tribe and telling them that you were getting an idol and putting it in your bag. Uh, so the goal there being that uh, you know, you're weighing your risk versus reward. It's a time of day where most people would be online. You're also pinging everybody on your tribe and uh, yeah. And of course, as we've seen, like once 10 people know about it, it kind of kills the risk versus reward element. 
unfortunately. So I think the Patelia command showed different responses in the soul channel, but was it, did it every time trigger that same message in the confessionals? Cause that's the, that we weren't able to yeah. see that. Yes. Yes. That was the other goal. Uh, hope was that the viewers wouldn't know about it if there was an idol and would see somebody say the sentence in camp and not believe them because why would that make any sense? And why would someone say that? Uh, and then when they ran around telling everybody that they're allied, allied with that, hey, I've got an idol, uh, no one would believe them until they actually played it in tribal to give a little more suspense and mystery. Um, something that kind of, we think kind of lack uh, as far as the viewer's perspective is concerned. So what was the message in the confessional? Was it like any kind of puzzle or did it just directly say, type this message tomorrow at this time? Uh, it just directly said that type this message between 4 and 5 p.m. Eastern. So it wouldn't have had to be tomorrow. It could have been any day. Yeah, that was my next yeah. question. So this could have happened at any point and it would have been so any day between 4 and 5. It was valid? Yes, after the merge. Once you realized so many people had it, did you anticipate that there was going to be a problem? No. So you know, one of the issues with Dino is that it has an innate cooldown on literally every command with, within its repertoire. And so if you use, for example, um, you know, the camp command twice in a row, the second one probably won't fire for you. But with Morgan or YAG, uh, in testing, you know, we've noticed that it will execute the first iteration of the command fully before it tries to execute it a second time, and it will always try to execute it a second time. So uh, if, for example, you had a command that required a 15 second delay, then YAG would wait 15 seconds for that delay before it would use that command a second time. Uh, so as far as we were thinking, at least, uh, the first person to use the command would get the proper response, which was like, you found an idol, and everyone else would get a response in their confessional saying, you were too slow. But when everybody spammed the command at the same time, I only think like four or five people actually uh, successfully did it. Um, whatever reason, and, and we're not really sure what happened, uh, it incorrectly responded positively to ace when it should have responded correctly to glorfindel so did, did, did glorf actually have a uh, a prompt or a response in his uh, in his channel that told him he did not get it yes but he Which saw that he was first yeah yeah we all saw he was first we checked the timestamps. he was first so and he got a response indicating that the command worked and functioned uh, just for whatever reason, second or third or fourth, who knows. So did the Patelia bot have any purpose? Like, did that send any messages or was it just there in the players list? No, it was just there. Uh, GD controls the Patelia bot. Um, so he set it up so it would always show up as online and he, he put in the work for that. And I think, it, I don't even think any of the players still to now know that there was a Patelia bot. I don't, I don't think anyone except Hirsch found it out. She will not talk to me. I, talk <laughs> to I keep sending her messages, but she refuses to respond. This is showing us on his phone, his DM messages with the Patelia bot that do not have any responses. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Won't, why won't you talk to me? What have I done to you? Idol, I hate you. That was pretty <laughs>
which which honestly is pretty much how every text exchange I've had with uh, pretty much any woman. So I mean, I don't. <laughs> Over. Uh, so why set it up this way with the confessional response rather than the way it was in Mojo Desert with the clue in a different channel that would activate secretly? Uh, the goal was to put something into the game that the like this wasn't going to ping the, the advantages channel either to confirm that anyone got something with the viewers like it was largely more for the viewers sake than anybody else's uh, just like well how do you even know if they have an idol we haven't told you we didn't confirm it uh, you're only going based on what the players have told you and um, that was kind of the main driving part of it the other smaller portion is that because it's responding in their confessionals uh, you know, if you're in that sub-channel with that person, you don't know that they found something. So they're surreptitiously hiding whatever clue they've gotten. And unless you jump in and use that same command yourself, you wouldn't find it out. And it doesn't require a role attachment like the uh, mm -hmm. Zoom did, which is always problematic. Yeah, we've seen a lot more people checking roles this go around. Yes. I mean, these last two seasons, I suppose, and we, we did <laughs> Especially on so this last It makes time. sense. Is um, having, uh, is this something that you can envision doing in a future season, slightly tweaked or uh, having tried it and had this become an issue, or is it something that you might try to avoid in the future? Asking for a possible all-star season. <laughs> sure. Uh, so the main takeaway from this, for me at least, and I think for most of production, is that um, the, the, the individual pieces of this particular cascade were by and large successful. The, the main thing we would want to change is if we had some sort of time constraint aspect that it wasn't based on first come first serve, right? So if say the command you used in camp unlocked or gave you a different response that required you to do something else, and be the first in that way or whatever, that would mitigate the potential issues of everyone doing the command exactly at 4 p.m. and only one person, and potentially the wrong person getting the correct response, something like that. Nice. So when two o'clock or four o'clock rolls around um, and you see all these messages and then you see uh, that Glorfindel's is first and that Ace has the message saying you received the idol and Glorfindel has the message saying you did not. Uh, so what's the conversation then behind the scenes? Uh, well, let's see. So Meg was sitting in this chair. I was sitting next to at my desk. And, you know, I had set my alarm for 3.58. I was ready. I was waiting. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, four or five different confessional channels get mess get message responses. And I look over and like Ace was the first one I clicked on and I saw the positive response and I was like, Ace got the, Ace got the idol, you know? So there it is. And then I went and checked a couple others and they all got the negative response, like great, the bot did what it was supposed to do. Everyone got the wrong response. And then I look into camp and I see Glorf's message first. I closed out of Discord, opened it back up again. Glorf's message was still first. Uh, checked in the viewers lounge and the VIP lounge and everybody's like, I see Glorf first. Does Glorf have it? And wait, Ace is telling everybody he has it. Go into the production channels and like, oh, everybody's having a conversation of like, okay, well, 
let's make sure we got this right. And we did the snowflake thing that uh, Julius brought up and just to confirm it. And then, you know, you have a conversation about like by this point, five, six, seven minutes have passed. Ace has told three or four people that he has an idol already, um, you know, and you entertain every avenue of the conversation. Like, can we let the bot stand? Like the bot functioned as it was intended. Are we able to just say that is the reality of it? You know, it was essentially a wrestle in the middle of camp for an idol. Uh, and the bot said that Ace won. But we also know that <laughs> The intent is that the first person who used it should get it. And so, you know, if, for example, this was an immunity challenge, would we leave the immunity with Ace? No, because he wasn't first. So the same rules have to apply. And so went into Ace's confessional with my, my head hung low and laid out the facts of the situation. I think at the time Ace was very understanding um, more so than I think some other players this season and past seasons would have been. Uh, and then uh, went into glory after set, uh, setting up the ace thing and make, you know, he's like, oh, this is going to affect my game. Like, all right, I'll go tell the people you told so they don't think you're pulling one over on them, etc. cetera. Uh, then I finally, after that was all resolved, went to Glorf and confirmed with him that he should have received the positive reply. I'm now picturing at camp a massive wrestle for an idol and Jeff Probst <laughs> running in like an NFL referee after a fumble, pulling people off the pile. <laughs> I, I, I kind of compared it to, you know, if you, in some of seasons of Survivor, they've hit uh, advantages at challenges. And so, you know, then like you get to see, you know, Kelly go up and like kind of behind her back like fumbling around underneath such and such apparatus to try to find a little part parcel but what if everybody knew that it was there mm -hmm. right like as soon as probe says go 12 people running for that one box looking for the thing attached to it i don't know what survivor would do in that situation <laughs> um, yeah, so the one other thing i wanted to ask about um so after you confirmed with Ace, you then went into, you not only confirmed with Ace, uh, but he had told people that he had the idol, you then went into the DM channels that he had with other players and confirmed that he did not have an idol. Um, how did that decision get made and what are the weighing factors in doing that? Um, I, I would have, that's not something I would have done uh, just on my own necessarily like without him wanting me to do it or being okay with me doing it i wouldn't have done that and if you know whenever ace's confessional gets revealed like you'll see the conversation like i okayed what i was going to say with him before i went and said it uh and confirmed with him which players i was saying it to but his initial reaction to learning that he wasn't the person who had the idol was immediately like okay this like ruins my like this could blow up all the trust i've gained with like you know the people who are closest to me and uh, as far as i was concerned the easiest way to solve satisfy that issue was okay i will tell them rather than you going to tell them you know just so it's official it's coming from me it's not you know him trying to play both sides of any situation i thought it was a very it was a very appropriate action on your part, I thought. Um, and uh, because, yeah, you, you, 
you, now if he had if he had said and i kind of thought he might go this route if he if you had come into his dm and said sorry man you didn't get the idol if i'm him i almost write it out because i mean i i'm i'm you know because it's just it puts it puts a it puts a i don't know i i might have been i might have been like you know what but how do you approach that as a producer you know you it's not like a fake idol or anything like that that he's flashing anybody. It's just everybody. Yeah, I don't know, but I, but it, but it's if, if if that's what he wanted, it's an it's, it's very appropriate. So uh, I thought you did a good job with that. If if he had not wanted me to say anything, or if he had wanted to handle it himself, whether that was to you know deny that it had happened or to just lean into uh, the turn, uh, I mean that's that's up to him, right? Like yeah. he his he can make that call. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't offer to do anything until he expressed concern about the situation. Um, oh, I was gonna say, it's pretty comparable to last season in that regard with the, with the crypt where um, there wasn't clarification to all the players of who got it, just that it was one person and how they wanted to play that off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I did not tell Ace that Glorf got it. Like that wasn't the mm -hmm. way the conversation went. Just like someone beat you, you didn't get it. Now in this instance, unlike the crypt, it's very easy to see yeah. who was. But uh, were that not to be the case, he might not know exactly who ended up with it. Nick, so I can totally see a scenario where someone is saying, "Well, I've told people I have the idol, even if I don't have it." It's works. It can work to my advantage having people think I have this. Um, I find it interesting that his first thought is not, oh, I don't have this idol anymore. It's that everyone's going to think I'm a liar now. Um, and I think that through that, it was definitely handled appropriately. Um, so, so do you know what happened last season with the crypt and why that triggered the way it did? Because that, it gave the right responses. And then after like tw 20 minutes started to fire the wrong ones uh so the crypt was set up so that the first person who used the command which was you uh would get the right response you found an idol great um and then i think if you even look at that channel the second I I time was the second person to use the command yeah again and it worked as intended like you know it didn't give you an idol that time but then i don't know what happened with dino uh, you know, I was, if, if the commands didn't refresh or I was editing a, a command and it didn't take or it reverted somehow undid whatever it did, but it essentially set itself back to being, um, uh, however it was when it first worked and then, and it did that unbeknownst to any of us. So when, <laughs> when the next person tried to use it and you have, uh, you know, Lars and, and Nux and all these people, you know, jumping into the crypt and using the command and everybody's got an idol, you know, but, you know, I'm rushing to the dino edit custom command screen, like what is happening? Why isn't this working? And it looks right. And I refresh the page and now it looks wrong. And then I got fixed it. And so, yeah, I, I don't, that one, I don't know how to explain either issue, honestly, the bots are fallible just like we are. Um, yeah, were there any other questions? I think that was a pretty thorough explanation of everything and uh, always fun to see behind the scenes a bit.
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So. And from a game perspective, I think this is a really interesting result in having the idol go to the one person who everyone has been targeting. Oh, it's perfect television. <laughs> it's exactly yep. what would happen if you were watching the show. I mean, because it would have been edited exactly the way it happened. Everybody would have been talking about Glorf and then Glorf goes and finds the idol and all of a sudden you're heading into immunity challenge and your number one target is off the board. So now what? So, uh, Ryan, we might need you to stick around a little bit as we head into this immunity challenge, um, which I think is a bit hard to follow for the viewers and a bit overwhelming for the players. Um, I guess sort of what's your takeaway? Because it's hard to even see who's winning and who might be winning by tribal with anyone. Um, what's your kind of takeaway from that? As much as oh, man, into. a lot. <laughs> so, so many takeaways. Um, so this was conceptualized, implemented, set up by me. I, I was working this challenge from you know, start to finish. Uh, in fact, I finished writing up the commands for this challenge after the channel was opened to the players. Uh, but it was, you know, we're in a fantasy location magic is a thing and so i thought why don't we teach them magic uh which is kind of cool until it takes you five days to do it um <laughs> but i guess the, i guess the the bottom line ends up being that when i looked at the you know in my head the notion of a challenge potentially lasting a week uh, is fun it's cool it's it, it adds a much it adds a completely different dimension to strategy and the conversations. Like I think we've seen a couple of conversations already talking about like should we target BBGG if he doesn't have immunity yet because he's the closest one to it. But the difference there being is that some players I think still and last night especially didn't fully understand what the challenge was asking of them. Didn't fully understand. Uh, how the challenge functioned. Only one of the people in the game actually was asking clarifying questions about the rules uh, to better understand what was being asked. And so this marathon challenge looks like a sprint for three or four hours. And all of a sudden, you know, everyone's burned out before they're halfway through it. And now everyone's, and then just kind of slowly building, building and building. And so everyone's exhausted, they're tired, they stayed up until 4 a.m. or whatever the local time was. And, you know, they're, they're fed up with it. And it's to the point now where we can't change the challenge because then it would give undue advantage to players who didn't stay up all night. And so we're kind of between a rock and a hard place. Well, yeah. I mean, your intent clearly wasn't to cause psychological damage to no. these contestants, as as well. has as has been uh, as has been alleged. But um, I mean, I think anytime, and I, and and I we might need to go into a little bit more detail as to exactly how the you've got you know how the challenge is set up. But I mean, anytime you're trying something new, you have an opportunity to learn, you know. And and you you wrote a uh, you wrote a statement. To the uh, 
to the cast, uh, kind of ex expressing where you were coming from, what your intent was, and you know, and how you hope to learn from this in the future. And as a producer, you know, you don't want them to think that you're 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 trying to torture them, you know. So I mean, you, you took an appropriate action, and then and and their reaction to or their acceptance of what you said is out of your control now, but you've, you've done, in my opinion, you've done what you, you needed to do in this instance. And, uh, and if not more, and, uh, and I hopefully, you know, I don't know, how, how do you feel about, do you feel more, you feel like you have to make it up to them or do you feel you've done what you can at this point in regards to this challenge and you're ready to see it play out and just move forward with the game? Well, you, you mentioned like, you know, torturing the players and there's a point where you realize that uh people calling me or production you know evil and sadistic and things like there's a point where that stops being a compliment and starts being an insult like i think of last season you know things like that were lobbed at us for like the um the greed challenge and i think that, that those were all meant as compliments like i think the greed challenge worked as intended and you know both viewers and players got a lot out of it uh but i definitely feel the the sentiment shifting with this challenge which may have to do with the fact that it's take you know greed takes five minutes this takes who knows no one's even mastered a single spell pinnacle yet uh so you know it's tough to balance you know, wanting the players to enjoy the game with, you know, wanting to present them with difficult obstacles so that every challenge isn't just, you know, count to 100. And also so that every challenge isn't just, okay, these are the 16 challenges we used last season. We're just going to rebrand them and use them again this season. And at, like you said, like, this is a new type of challenge that we hadn't done before. And we are going to learn a lot from it. Whether that means that it never comes up again, I don't know. Whether that means that if it does come up again, the cooldowns have to be cut in half or divided by five or ten even. Um, you know, or that more transparency needs to be uh, revealed up front with, you know, like this chat, like I think there's there's a problem for for me specifically with figuring out how much information do I give the players regarding a challenge before it becomes excessive and too much. Like if I tell them, okay, none of the cooldowns are less than 20 minutes. This will not. Be, this is barely possible to finish before tribal tomorrow. Uh, you know, there's a reason that it's supposed to be that it's active for the next like eight or nine days, and that's because it could take eight or nine days for some of you to finish it. Um, or even to state out front, like, if you don't have the time to do this, you probably shouldn't even start, uh, which I think is true. And it, like Barker is, I think, the only person who didn't really try to do this. And I, I think he's feeling great about it, honestly. <laughs> Smartest man in the game, right this time. <laughs> so it, in that sense, it feels a lot like penalties from, your, from, from Mojo Desert, where, you know, you don't know how long it's going to take. You don't know how much you're going to have to give up for that immunity. And I don't know if Lars would, you know, in hindsight would take all of those penalties for it again, but the like four or five people that jumped out on the first or second level felt pretty good, even if they didn't have immunity because they had everything else. And, and that is a lot. Uh, so 
you know, I don't know. I don't know if I answered your question or not, but. You did. And you know, you're learning. That's all you can yeah. do. That's all you can hope to do and hope that people accept it. Yeah. But, uh, I guess, I guess you asked you if I felt us. I owed them anything, I, I think. And I guess I just feel like this is going to end up being a recurring point brought up. Like, I don't know if Glorf's going to continue to bring up, you know, the injustice he felt during the uh, math manipulation challenge or not, but, you know, he's the only one that felt that injustice harshly enough to bring it up multiple times, but every player feels this injustice um, happening to them right now whether it's time away from your family or your job or sleep or, you know, countless other things. And so if this becomes a thing that like, you know, do I even want to bring it up at tribal council? <laughs> I don't like, and if it's not finished <laughs> up by this tribal council, am I going to bring it up at the next one or the next one or the next one? And I don't want to, like, it, it makes me not <laughs> to look at this challenge. It makes me not want to look at any of the sub channels any of the DM channels. And that I think is a, a pretty big indication that it has not succeeded uh, at what it was intended to do. That's very honest. <laughs> yeah. So just because um, it's kind of hard to see where everyone's at from the viewer's perspective, um, you probably can't answer this, but is anyone on track to be completed with the challenge by this tribal council? Um, I guess what, I, what I'll say is that the commands are set up so that when you master a pinnacle spell, uh, which is to say, use, cast that spell uh, while it is a level five spell for you, um, we get pinged in a production test channel that tells us that so-and-so has mastered one of the pinnacles of that branch of magic. Uh, and as far as I'm aware, no one has reached that point yet. Um, since Gigi is close on one, isn't he? I think so. I know Nick has has gone to a couple of the pinnacle spells. Um, I guess I can, I can I can kind of reveal a little bit more about the challenge itself. In that there are four branches. Uh, each spell has five levels, and the pinnacle spell is the fifth spell in each branch. Okay, so. If we're looking at water and ice, there is a fifth spell down the water path, and there's a fifth spell down the ice path, which a lot of people have found tsunami, a couple of people have found blizzard. When they master those spells, they'll have each reached a pinnacle in that sense. Yeah. Uh, and additionally, each path, uh, while the cooldowns are variable amounts of time, to get to master uh, the pinnacle spell in any branch of magic requires the exact same amount of time if you were perfect on every single cooldown whether that's 40 minutes, 40 minutes, 40 minutes, 40 minutes, 40 minutes, or 20, 20, 40, 40, 80, uh, you know, it, it, it all evens out at the end, the end of the day. Uh, but every single branch, after you master the second spell, it diverts. And so you go from gust to sludge and uh, fly, which people have figured out. But both of the defensive branches of magic, so they split too, and everyone has only figured out half of that. So 
it, it is certainly possible that no one ever gets the other half or knows that there's another half. I was, I was just looking at stuff. I could tell that the defensive side of things was not nearly as um, completed or, in, or robust as the offensive side, which was leading me to believe that they were, they're, they're, they're lacking some things. So, uh, yeah, but that's good. That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever the original intent was, this is this it's in that respect, it's working exactly the way you wanted it to. <laughs> it, it is absolutely exposing the inability of a lot of players to understand many different aspects of the game that it absolutely is doing. Well, what I didn't get was that I saw in a couple of DMs you had or this morning or confessional channel, DM channels, you had to tell them explicitly, this challenge is active all the way through nine people or until both idols are found. Mm -hmm. And they went immediately to the other people and said, did you know that this information that was explicitly stated in the rules of the challenge was just expressed to me again by Ryan, apparently almost using the exact same verbiage. Mm -hmm. So this has been a running theme through this whole podcast. Read, 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 read. Well, and, and I think that's the best, or not the best. That's, that's a recurring thing in the confessional channels. Like a lot of the questions that players ask about challenges are, I give them answers that are just rephrased ver lines out of the rules, um, you know, and, and you know, I get it. <laughs> you read, it's a lot of, lot, lot to read. And, and, a lot, and there's another step beyond that to, to understand it and comprehend what it actually is. Uh, and so, you know, it, I get it. You miss lines or you miss this, or you miss that. I do it too. Uh, but man, it's a lot. This is, this is not an event. This whole game is not a, a, a place where TLDR applies. It can't be. <laughs> Have you, like, you don't even, like, people had, you know, a couple of days to read through the rules of the game, and, like, people don't understand the rules at all. Well, facets of them, at least. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so it looks like we're going to have an interesting tribal council. Um, Ryan, are you going to stick around as we preview tribal, or is that off limits for a host? Uh, I can stick around. I don't know how much I can say. So we go from that into what should be a very interesting tribal council, um, mostly because of Glorfindel's immunity idol. And I think without that, it would be a very simple vote, most likely. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it would have been. Um, I even if it were, even if he hadn't found the idol, I'm not sure that he's the. Uh, when you've got somebody with a target as big as his on him, uh, the phrase "meat shield" has been used in the game before, and um, I, I don't know that you need to take somebody out like that right off the bat. I mean, you can kind of just drag them along, uh, especially. I don't know. I. I get that it's uh, it's a 
a big target, but um, there, are, there are more subtle targets that are probably more dangerous in the long game that they could have uh, could have gone for um, with a unanimous vote. But uh, it looks like the looks like he may still be the target, even with the uh, even with the idol in his pocket. Yeah, it's one of those. I, I think coming in fresh to merge in fresh big group, uh, kind of like we talked about a little earlier. It's just easier for people to find that camaraderie on that unified target and say, even if it's not arguably the best for the game, if they were to kind of pause and look a little big picture, it's hard to fight that instinct. It's, it's, it's much easier for me to say that as a viewer than if I were in the game as a player. Exactly. Uh, much personal on a, on a much more personal level. Yeah, so I mean, targeting Glorfindel kind of establishes a pretty strong not so tight coalition um, of at least eight people uh, looking like, and that might not be a good thing going forward. Just having such a big group like that can't stay for much longer. No, no it, it wouldn't be a, a lasting thing. They would take out their one shared target and then kind of have their moment of, okay, now what, now who? We need to look back on what just happened. And it's, it's sort of one of those things, too, that Crab had mentioned much earlier in the game when she was initially looking to target Glorf. She was like, oh, this is a big move for my resume. And at this point where everyone kind of is agreeing that they dislike him, it's not that's losing its, its clout. It's not going to be a big move. Whoever arranges and finally gets out Glorf isn't going to be seen as like, that's the move that made their game. Yeah, because it's on a blind side. It's not uh, it's not a plurality vote i mean it's just uh it's just a simple everybody's uh everybody let's uh, let's gang up on the elf and get him out of the game <laughs> you know? elf pile yeah, yeah that's it. something that i've kind of seen is that the people who have leaned towards glorf um harpy bbgg table all seem to have some skepticism in themselves about it and it's just kind of that the other team of basically everyone else but mostly ace doing sort of the outreach part of it a little bit of crab and shitters um i think he just kind of hasn't gone to them and said hey nobody's with glorf and i kind of feel like they would be willing to jump ship if that opportunity was given and kind of just ending up on the wrong side of numbers honestly the best thing that can happen right now for harpy bbgg and table is for Glorf to get out of this game because those three could be important numbers for any other alliance who's looking to kind of bolster their forces and um, and could all you know potentially go far in the game with another alliance and and so I think as sad as it is to say I mean the most interesting thing right now would be for the elf to go. I think the most interesting thing would be if the trio you just mentioned kind of recognized their position they're being put in by, um, in a way, being alienated by associating with Glorf, if they were to then look at the bigger picture of who are the huge threats in this game, probably Crab and Ace from a social side of them being arranging uh, their contacts with everyone, and then um, also look at who are the kind of less connected ones. So if they could take like Link and Bun or uh, Rineki and just pop them over and deassociate themselves with Glorf and be like, look, we have these big, big targets. These are the big resume moves if we get out these, these players. 
like that would be more interesting than um, kind of just they, this two split that we're getting. Do they do it now, or do but, they wait? For, or they do? Do they wait for the next tribal? I don't think they can do it now, just because nobody's told them that everyone's voting for Blorf. I think they would have to see the votes come up and then realize what's happening. And at that point, because of Blorf's idol, it might be too late. Yeah. This is a, we're looking at a situation where, from what I can see right now, they've settled on a 4-4 split, assuming that their eight is strong. And they really, I mean, from what I can see, Ace is, Ace is working a lot of DMs, but he's talking about just telling some people 10 minutes before tribal, this is who you're voting for. And that always works out well. People love to be told who to vote for in this game. Um, so, <laughs> so you got 4-4. Um, if you, and then assuming four on the other side, and at that point, you've got one person. All you need is one out of eight people to go, nah. And that just wrecks your plans. It just, it just throws it out the window. Um, so going 4-4 four, four into this is a, is a dangerous move and, um, and, and asking a lot of other people to have some, some blind faith, some of whom you've barely met. And another thing, um, maybe Ryan, you can chime in on this. Um, with the earlier merge at 12, kind of shifts the perspective to you, instead of having a kind of a tight alliance that can control all the votes, you have, in order to get a majority at the first or second vote, you need to have such a big group that it kind of shifts to having voting blocks to form coalitions, and then that can shift. Um, and that's been some of the more recent seasons, sort of how the strategy has gone. Yeah, you know, we hadn't done a merge out. Well, we did 10 in Discordia, 8 in Chattern, and uh, 10 again in Mojo Desert. Uh, and Mojo Desert, I uh, you know, merging from three tribes, you know, was had its own wrinkles, of course. But merging at 12 um, and in starting with 18 and, you know, gave us, it allows the players a little more, I guess, flexibility. I, I think... You know, as much as we talked about, you've talked about, you know, the three people who are, for better or worse, tied to, to Glorfindel. If, if he were to be voted out this today, uh, I think they have plenty of room to, like, find other avenues to proceed throughout the game. And if he wasn't to be voted out today, uh, and one of his three allies were, I think those remaining three people would still have plenty of avenues to proceed throughout the game because there isn't, like you said, like you need at least seven people on this vote. Um, and like, you know, the bigger, the more people you need the first time after a merge, the sooner you get to a point where that seven has to look within itself. Yep. I know. I, if I were in the game right now, I would not feel comfortable being put in a position where I am furthering somebody else's agenda. Especially I if I yeah. What was that? I, I, I think it'd be kind of easy to see these people who are doing the work to arrange everything. I think it'd be pretty easy to be like, no, I can hide behind this for a little bit and just continue to strengthen your DM relationships on the side with everyone else who's in that group. And then that means later when you are looking inward being like, look, these people have been trying to tell us what to do the entire time. I, I think it's pretty easy from a player perspective to see how that could fall into place. 
And there are some players who have been putting in, let's be honest, minimal effort. And, and that is clearly, that is clearly uh, a path that they're willing to take. So, I mean, I think, I think if for no other reason than that, that what you're talking about, Paste, is more than likely how this vote's going to play out. But they're yeah, just gonna be, I do too. Yeah. Yeah, let, let these two, you know, or two or three big players who kind of want to um, work everything together and range and take those, take those leads and let them do that. Yeah. So for this vote in particular, any predictions and or advice about how people are looking to split votes potentially, work out an idle, potential idle plays, anyone that could flip, you think, to the side of Glorf at the last minute? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if anyone's going to do it, it could be Link, but not because but she's cozying up to Crab, so that doesn't seem likely. Bun seems to be cozying up to Ace. Uh, those were his. That's probably Dwarf's two uh, two biggest uh, possibilities of maybe somebody flipping, and uh, it doesn't look like. And the problem is that neither one of those two want to make a play right now. It looks like they're content to ride majority votes and uh and so it doesn't see that i don't think i don't see either one of those guys flipping and i mean why would you i mean if you're going to that side even if you win this vote you're still down in numbers um but if no one's going to flip in is this going to be a simple four 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 split um and is the idol going to get played Pace, what do you think i i'm Honestly, like I think a lot of viewers been so overwhelmed trying to see where things are falling in the last uh, 24 hours that I, I don't have huge confidence in where they're going with this. And then even from the players' uncertainty side, um, there is the known about the idol, but it seems like not all of them are sure on how this immunity challenge is even going to go leading in. So they might not be, um, you know, they might contingency planning for that a little bit and uh, then yeah with the with the whole half who are just looking to ride things out I think are just looking for that easy path of tell me what to do if I'm, I, uh, no go ahead I'm sorry oh I was just gonna say it, it just really feel like it's always this first merge vote that um, solidifies these lines um, it's it's hard for a couple of them to see where that's gonna go but I think that's what you know, those lines are going to be drawn here. Yeah. If I were, if I were on this tribe on the, on the positive side of these numbers, I would be trying to rally the group to go after someone else. A tertiary target is, is I believe how I put it. You, you know, Glorf has an idol. You don't want to necessarily put your votes on him because he might play it for himself. You know, he might play it on what you perceive to be his closest ally. Right. You go after the tertiary target. You, I think you go into this tribal just playing as though both Glorf and BBGG have immunity. So if you're on the side uh, with the majority, are, do you think it's the best plan to split? And do you do it 4-4, four, four, assuming you have eight votes? Do you try to add additional votes from either Table or Harpy or BBGG? Or do you just say, we're just going to target someone and hope for the best? 
I'm going after a third target. That's my goal. You get seven strong, go after somebody that is going to hurt those three because you can take out BBGG and Lorf later. You got plenty of time to do that. You want to hurt their numbers and, and weaken them that much more. And it, I don't split here. I would not split. I think that's too dangerous. I think that's asking too much of people you don't know that well to just go blindly on a 4-4 split. I think that's just too risky. Yeah, but still make them think that they're going for primary or secondary target. So you, you get that flush happening. Exactly. Yeah. That's probably the best approach. Yeah, yeah, you flush, you take out somebody who is not, who they just don't, you, you go, this is where people like Harpy and Table are innocent victims and survivor all the time because they just happen to be allied with the wrong person. Mm -hmm. I, I see where I think their paranoia is coming from of not knowing if this immunity is going to come into play too uh, as a possibility. But I, I think as we get a little closer, that's not going to be an issue. Yeah. One thing I think we haven't really seen at all this season, anyone able to keep information to a select group. Um, and so if you have that kind of plan, I think there's a strong chance that it winds up in the hands of everyone. and you're taking that risk and I don't know if I'm comfortable hinging on that um, no one else finding out my plan yeah that's the game right you gotta it's all about this that's why this merge vote is huge because you got 12 people you don't know who you can trust and you're putting a lot of faith in in, in people you haven't been working with and uh and you don't know how they feel about the situation it's uh just as the first vote Though it's going to be hard to reach the levels of the uh, Discordia merge vote, this one has a potential to, uh, to, to, to come close. I think another thing, like we talk about the secondary tertiary targets for the eight, but if it is ultimately a 4-4-4, like where are those other four votes going? Are they going on Ace? Are they going on Crab? whoever the most recent person Gorfindel caught lurking in a sub-channel was, like, and are they even four, right? <laughs> Does it end up being two, two, or three and one? Like, that's valuable information if you're trying to split votes. Exactly. I mean, are you less likely to, are you less likely to want to split if, if all of a sudden you find out it's your name that's getting written down by that, that supposed other group of four? Right. All right, so last thing, quick predictions. Who's going home this tribal, and what's the vote breakdown? Glorf's going home with an idol in his pocket. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to do a vote breakdown, but I'm going to say BBG gets the uh, BBGG gets the, the hurt here. Right, I'm going to say... It's table with a 4-4-4 split, uh, four going against Crab and Glorfindel playing an idol and an easy sweep on the revote. I like it. Three different That'd ideas. It just shows you how much we know going into this. <laughs> and right now, and, and right now uh, Ryan Plexty is considering voting himself out and letting Meg just ride this shit the rest of the way. <laughs> I fully support that. I will be a part of that blindside. <laughs> let's get some salty salty shark in here yes, you know where all the idols are so might be tough <laughs> I, I think we've gone way over time on this one thanks so much uh ryan for 
explaining everything and hopping on and for, for hopping on for a special episode and Hirsch as always for the great analysis. It was a great guy. It was a great day, guys. Good to see you, Ryan. Good to see you, Kate. Pace, thanks for coming. Thanks, all. Peace. All right, we will see you soon. Bye, Ari.